Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And, and our happiness is egg shape. Happiness is egg shape. Loves a circle with no end. What's that about this last day? And he said, happiness is egg shape. Wait, um, happiness is a egg shape. Happiness is egg shape. Loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is Podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg Shaped and we are nearly at number 100. We are nearly there and I am very pleased that we have uh, a World Cup player with us today. Uh, I'm, the first time I met this person was actually on a screen and she was helping a charity, which already meant I think this person's pretty cool. Uh, I'm not really sure what her association with it was, other than I think she met them through rugby. And that's where we all get involved in this stuff, a mate of a mate or somebody we played with. And away she went and helped with an amazing fundraising activity. She's played touch, she's played seven, she's played 15, she's been away at a World Cup. She tends to have a smile, although I have seen her when she's been a little bit upset and that just made me love her even more because it shows how much it means to her. Uh, supportive family, lots of good buddies, very well thought of. And now she's going to be representing not just Scotland, but Great Britain. So let's waste no more time and bring in the one and the only Shona Campbell. Hello there. Hiya. <laughs> Hiya. <laughs> Good to see you. So back from New Zealand, the, the dust has settled a little bit. How does it feel now when you look back on it? Uh, yeah, I think definitely having that time to reflect on it has been like really helpful. Um, but yeah, looking back on it, it's a crazy experience. Like New Zealand is such like an amazing country and they just like welcomed us all so, so well. But you, you're you used to this touring around because you've been to Malaysia for a bit of touch. So traveling for sports pretty easy for you, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll never get bored of it. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was that like? So, I mean, playing in a World Cup probably still, because you're still so young, probably felt like it wasn't going to happen quite yet. Has it Has it been too quick? Have you been able to appreciate it as you've gone along? Um, yeah, I think we were talking about this the other day that when it got postponed, that was one of my first ever training sessions with the women's team. Um, and I remember me and Eva, my flatmate, were like, we've got 500 odd days to get selected for this World Cup. And it just flew like it had gone before we'd even thought about it. So it has gone quick. Don't get me wrong. But like. It, I wouldn't want it to go any slower. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> I didn't realise you were flatmates with Eva. Um, what on earth is that like? <laughs> no, I love it, to be fair. So I live with Eva and Eliane, so it's the three of us. Um, yeah, no, it, it's the dream. <laughs> it's the dream. And what happens when you disappear for sevens? Do they, do they look after things for you? Are you confident that when you come back, your room's going to be as you left it? Yeah, no, to be fair, they're very clean. I'd say I'm probably the messy one, so they're probably quite happy when I leave for quite a while. <laughs> 
and it must be it must be quite different having three very sporty people in the house uh washing machine going not not enough room for drying like is there arguments are there scraps are there fights about stuff like that and uh, no i wouldn't say there's scraps about the washing it's just a bit of a logistical nightmare especially with the fact that like obviously heating's quite expensive so <laughs> drying stuff in the cold doesn't happen very quickly <laughs> i love it proper student that's what we like yeah. proper student talking about the cost of that yeah. so you then go off to new zealand with a real mixed bag of players you've got exiles you've got girls that have been there for a long time uh, and then newbies that come in like you how do they make the young bucks feel part of the squad um i think they are pr pretty good at that um there is quite a big young group now within the squad but they do just mix us in like really well the squad does get on really well and there's not really so much of a split between the exiles and the young group especially this year we spent so much time together as a squad um, it's all just kind of become like a little dysfunctional family. So, yeah. A little dysfunctional family that loves TikTok. Who's, who gets yeah. your vote for the best TikToker? I'm going to have to say Rona just because she gets the best engagement. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I say Rona. My, my daughters are, are split. Um, one's a big Rachel McLaughlin fan. Yeah. Uh, and one, uh, who's Maisie's favourite? I can't remember who Maisie's favourite is, but they, there's there's a bit of a split in the HSN house about who the best TikToker is. Tell me how that works, right? Does some does somebody say, I'm doing a TikTok, who wants in? Or is there a little TikTok clique? Or how does that work? Um, I would say it does kind of change a wee bit. So there's like the regulars that Rona will like ask to be part of TikTok because they know they'll always say yes. But... <laughs> When she's got like a big TikTok she needs to do, she does she does bribe people. So there's usually sweets on offer, but you gotta do what you gotta do. So <laughs> you gotta do, you gotta do. Louise McMillan, that's who it is. Maisie's Maisie's favourite's Louise McMillan. So there's a bit of competition. Yeah. Uh, is there a bit of competition? Is there a bit of oh I got this engagement or oh, I only got this? Is there a bit of teasing and ribbon going on? Um, I think there is a wee bit, but it's all fun and games. Um Rach does put a lot of effort into her TikToks, I'll give her that. So like, yeah. I would say that she probably does put the most effort into content creation. <laughs> so you're you're in New Zealand, um, but the squad had, had spent a lot of time together and COVID being in that bubble meant that you were really, you couldn't see anybody else. Uh, and some of the games that you played, you had to be in camp and spending a lot of time together. That, I think, just makes you stronger. How did that help then when you're faced with the really narrow defeats that you had in New Zealand? yeah completely like we did spend a lot of time together i think it's we understand how each other work a lot like it's not even just on the field like off the field we understand who needs space who needs picked up who like wants to go do something else take their mind off of things and i think that is how you get through a world cup like it's it's weeks and weeks with each other and if you can't understand how to give each other space or how to pick each other up then that's when you start seeing cracks within the squad so yeah, no, all the girls are so good at like understanding each other and giving each other space if they need it. Did it help that you'd had that experience of going away and doing some touring with Touch? Was that helpful when you go into a, a squad environment in the 15s game? Definitely. Um, I think that did help me a lot, especially like coming into Touch at quite a young age, um, being in a squad with people of tons of different ages. Like I think the oldest was like 32. So like as a 17 year old, like you do just need to learn that like people are at different stages in their lives, like understanding how to get along with people that you might not have so much in common with. So, yeah, I think that was huge. Then coming into 15s, I'd obviously been in a setup where like at the end of the day, you are all rugby players and age doesn't really matter once you're on the pitch. So I think, yeah, that helped a lot. Why touch? Um, So I'd had to, well, not have to step away from rugby, but kind of made the choice to step away from rugby when I was about 14 just there wasn't really opportunities for me and like at that point my netball was like taking off so like I couldn't do both um and then my dad had a friend at work that played touch in Edinburgh and she was like oh she should come along and play touch like it's it's not contact she won't get injured like it's a perfect mix <coughs> so I went along to one under 18s touch trial and like I was hooked I was like this is for me 100% you could play with boys so like it was so much faster the skill level was super high and yeah I got hooked very quickly. Are you a proper touch geek? 
Um, yeah, like I I do miss playing it, but yeah, no, I I was a complete nose when I did play. I can't lie. <laughs> so when you, this is the one that always cracks me up. When touch happens at just rugby training, the the oh, touch yeah. geeks can get really quite shirty about the whole thing, and people like me don't want that <laughs> yeah to put it politely so how do you cope with that or or at your level are you not allowed to just play touch uh yeah i very much dissociate that this is called touch but it's not touch <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've only played i've only played formal touch a few times but i, I find it i find it quite challenging uh, probably because it takes me so long to get up to any sort of speed and then so long to slow down again that I have gone yeah. off the mark. And and referee, <laughs> there, there's no messing with touch referees. Have you done oh, any no. touch refereeing? I've never done it, but I have so much respect for them. Like Proper evil, though. Like, there's no grey area. There's no interpretation. No. It's just you are wrong and I am right and I've got the whistle. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. black and white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is funny. So you're playing touch, but netball. I mean, you were, you were seriously climbing. What? When then do you make the decision? Well, actually, I'm going to go and chase an egg. Um. So yeah, that that wasn't really something that I saw coming. Um. Personally, like netball had always been what I wanted to do from when I was tiny. Like playing for Scotland was like the dream for me. Um. And I'd made my way through like the ranks, like under 21s. And then I was in like wider squads for the Thistles and things like it was going to plan. Um, but touch was kind of taking off at the same time. And I'd really started to get into that again. And I came back from the Touch World Cup and I never thought it would have happened. But I genuinely just completely fell out of love with the sport. Um, like I remember sitting at like a trial for like the Thistles. And I was like, this is the dream you've always wanted. And I was miserable. I was like, I didn't want to be there. And like the commitment that my mom and dad had like put into me to be there, like they would drive me twice a week down to Glasgow, like two hours each way and like never even complained once. Like they would just do it for me. And I think I found that quite hard. It was like, I'm giving this up because I like, I'm no longer enjoy it. I'm miserable, but like they've put so much into it. Um, So I think like, yeah, completely just fell out of love with the sport, which was hard, but like now, like obviously it's clearly been the right, right decision for me. Um. But yeah, I just decided to go down a different path. I always thought I'd have to pick one or the other, but it kind of just happened for me. Did you do you like watching netball now? Yeah, no, like I still enjoy it as a sport, but it yeah, it's not the sport for me, I don't think. And did at any point did Claire Maxwell or Claire Nelson tap you on the shoulder and say, What are you doing? You could be you could be with us. Um no, to be fair, like when I told them all that I was stepping away, like they were like the door's always open. So um but yeah, I think it's probably close to now. But um, <laughs> yeah, that would like, be cool, though. That would be cool to go back and play, having done what you've done and, and continue to do. Ah, oh, do you know what? I'll just go back and pick up a couple in Scotland caps, maybe get myself a wee Commonwealth Games. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be quite that easy, but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So you make the choice, and you've mentioned mum and dad there. Now, I know that they travel near and far and wide and the the closer I've got to this group this Scotland group of players it's hilarious the the support team that follows you around uh you know Tomo's mum's there the Lloyds are always there there's just this big group that love to follow around how important is that to the success of the group I think it's huge like no matter where we are we can always look up into the stands and there will be a Scotland flag somewhere and especially when results necessarily don't go your way like having that support network there is huge Um, like obviously in New Zealand my mom and dad came out and just having them there like the first two weeks was huge for me it was a huge support system it's it's been a pretty average year for you hasn't it you yeah. <laughs> you know you've, you've not really done a huge amount this year commonwealth games world cup uh, and I, I saw you after the the commie games what was that experience like being in a a multi-sport environment only the sevens players get that what, yeah. what was that like are the 15s players asking you what it's like are they intrigued by it? i mean some of them were there to support i saw them I saw them in the crowd so again we're back to that one almost big no what do you call them dysfunctional family but it's yeah. a pretty happy dysfunctional family yeah 100 <laughs> percent um i think 
Commies was like a dream come true. It went so quickly, especially because we played at the beginning, so we weren't like in the village for too long. But you got kicked um, out pretty quick, smart. Yeah, I know. Day after, out you go. <laughs> I was like, okay, no bother. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like playing on that world stage and like in front of that many people is just like a dream come true, especially to do that with Scotland. Like that's, it was amazing. And I literally loved every second of it. Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg Shaped and I am here to tell you where you can get your Happiness is Egg Shaped merchandise. Go to www.halbro.com and search for Happiness is Egg Shaped in the stores. We've got it all. Umbrellas, snoots, hats, towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, we've got all sorts going on there. Check it out, get your Happiness is Egg Shaped merchandise. You can get it all coloured up for your favourite team or for your country. Get involved because you know, I know, everybody knows Happiness is Egg Shaped. It was, it was quite a funny tournament because normally when you play sevens, there's a lot happens, but because of the scheduling, it was play a game, have a huge break, wait for everybody to leave, and then people come back again, play a game. How, how do you deal with that up and down? Are you, I mean, you're studying psychology, so I'm guessing that you're, you're pretty good at it. How do you get up, you know, three times in a day for, for a big game? Um, yeah as you say like I think twice we had games at about nine o'clock and then nothing until five o'clock so like that is like a big a big gap but it does just come with practice but I do think it is you have to fully switch off after games so like we have a routine that we always follow and it's obviously the warm-up but then post-game it's like completely like get changed like reset eat like you've got three or four hours and um, we always try to fit a nap in if we can but it it isn't easy, but it's also like it's a lot easier to mentally get yourself up for a game when you know it's only 14 minutes. Like it's not like you're preparing for 80 minutes twice in a day. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just habit, I think, by this point. So is sevens the natural progression touch, then play sevens? Does that make um, sense? Yeah, I, I would say like that's probably the link between the two. Um they've got quite a lot in common and you see like in other countries like Oz and New Zealand, a lot of touch players come across and play sevens. So yeah, I would say it is. <laughs> so if you, you get to be on the, the PR, the marketing for touch, how, how do you market it? Is it a game in itself? Is it a gateway to other things, not bigger or better, just other things? How, how do you market touch? I would say it is a game in itself, but it's transferable skills. So it doesn't need to fully separate itself. It like so many of the Scottish touch players play union. Um, there's a lot of crossover there, but I think it is that it's accessible to all. You can have men and women on the same pitch, ages, all on the same pitch. Like there's nothing that separates it, and that's what I love about it. Is it's like it's always so much fun, and it just tests your skills to a whole new level because there's no offloading in the contact. Like you have to get the ball away before that. Um, it just puts all your basic skills under pressure. And I think as a development tool for kids coming through that want to play rugby at a high level, you can't really get much better than touch. Yeah, please don't offload the ball after the touch or one of those referees will. No, like, the penalty. Like they, yeah, you're, you're in serious bother if you do it after the touch. But I mean, you then, Sivens, you say it's transferable and, and all the, the passing and handling and evasion skills make sense. But the collisions in sevens and the the ruck speed is crazy. How much do you love that bit of the game? Like, I, yeah, I love defence. So um, I do enjoy it. I think it is a mindset, though. Like, obviously, when I came across from touch, I was like, this is not about me. I was like, I'm going to need to get my head around this. Um, but now, yeah, like, I love it. I think defence defending to get the ball back is like very much a mentality that we have so yeah I'd much rather tackle and turn the ball over than score a try any day of the week really yeah I would no I know <laughs> that is weird <laughs> I didn't realize that you are quite weird um yeah. <laughs> and sevens I mean the it's so exposing you make a mistake seven points done yeah. um I'm back to this psychology again you you are you're tough like you're you're properly tough you're hanging yourself out here you're going to trials you're 
Scottish netball, you're going to touch, you're making decisions that you don't know how they're going to turn out. I, yeah. I, I reckon you've got decent resilience. How do you deal with those things uh, as an individual or as a group where one slip at that level can be really costly? Yeah, I think it comes back to you have to be able to understand that you can only control what you can control. And if you prepare well enough, you can then go out on the weekend and you're fine. But if you, well, like if I personally know that I haven't done everything I possibly could have up until that point, especially when it comes to training, you're then going to go out and you're going to be like, what if I miss that tackle? What if I don't make that pass? But if you know that you've done the prep, you're not going to be like second thinking. And especially like in sevens, as you say, you make, you make one mistake, like it is a try, but that's human error. You can't control for everything. It's it's about reframing, especially in sevens. Like you've got 14 minutes, that's 14 like chances to like win each minute. And if you see it as 14 minutes, that's super overwhelming. But if you're like, okay, missed one tackle, they scored, right? What can I do next? And it's like a lot easier for me to process. And I think that's something that I've definitely struggled with when I first came in. It was like just compounding errors and then you just go inside yourself as a player. But being able to just like reset and go again, that that's made so much easier when your teammates are like, it's it's not that deep. Like we'll all make errors here. Let's let's just go again. But um, I think that's huge for me. You're you're young in in age, yeah. But the way you're talking and the experiences you've had, do you feel like and and the knowledge you've got and you're talking psychology there and, and you're talking methods to fix, not just airy fairy or next job you know you're you're properly outlining ways to improve or to deal with error are you able to speak in the group or can you can you take leadership when you think it's your turn um I would say like I very much am happy to speak within the group just now like that's not something I'm, I'm too scared of but leadership down the line yeah probably I think just now the point that I'm at in my career like I very much want to focus on me and get me in the best shape possible for the group um but down the line i like hopefully it's it's a natural progression and you're saying that 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 almost leave no stone unturned you stood me up on saturday because you were going to the the gym do you love training uh yeah i think that's what like i love about sevens is like the training is so intense and you push yourself to the max like almost every single day like i just i love that so you jump into 15s and you know there's twice as many people there there's there's not as much space how do you adapt to that situation um it's very much a, a, like a different game in my head completely like the role that you have um but I, like i think it does develop across the sevens as well like the experience i've got from being with the 15s these past like six to eight months like i've learned so much about like off the ball work and like understanding the game from a tactical point of view, like that's developed so much. That was something that like I didn't have at all. So it is completely different, but like it's all transferable and space does appear every now and then in 15s. <laughs> how, how do you deal with, and you've, you do this in sevens, um, but you've had to do it in 15s. How do you deal in, and what's the difference in psychology from starting the game to being an, an impact player off the bench? Yeah, so I would say starting the game you have to like bring some composure. You're not you're not going crazy from the first second throwing a ball that doesn't need to be thrown, but I think when you come off the bench it's like bringing clarity and messages like you don't want to come on and be hectic when they're all tired and their minds all over the place. You just need to come on with two or three clear messages and like do your role well. And then obviously when it comes to the end of the game like if we're behind it's like back yourself like try create something out of nothing like there's no pressure on me to make an error when there's two minutes to go and we're losing anyway so it's like why not try something um but I think especially in sevens like if you're coming on with like four four three four minutes to go you just need to bring on clarity um, and make sure that you do your role correctly who do you look at in the groups that you've been involved with and think I could be a little bit more like them they're a great role model you know, who, who do you look at? There's some pretty experienced players in the groups that you've been involved with, and especially in Scotland, because the pool at the moment is quite small. You've got players in the sevens as well as the 15s, so you're spending quite a lot of time with with certain players. Who pick pick a couple maybe of players that you look at and think, uh, yeah, they're they're setting the standards here. Yeah. 
Um, I would say someone like that straight away comes to mind there is Rachel Malcolm. She's definitely someone that leads by example in every single session. Like she will push herself to the max. If there's something we're working on, like she's doing it every rep. Like she doesn't slack on anything. Um, so I think she's been like a huge role model in that sense. Um, another person's probably Tomo. Like from a knowledge point of view, when it comes to like skills, she you can ask her anything and she will she'll give you the time of day and she'll try like help you out with anything as much as she can um I would say someone that from like a work ethic and mentality point of view that I've kind of like look up to um is Meg Jones in the GB setup she leaves no stone unturned she is the most diligent athlete I have ever met in my life um and you you see it in returns in the way that she plays um so yeah I'd say they're probably the three that set the standards that's cool. That's quite a mixed bag as well. You've got Captain Fantastic, you've got and, and a forward, so who knows what they actually do. And then yeah. uh, Tomo that you're spending time with in both groups. And then Meg Jones, I have to say, she is a class act. I met her at the Commie Games and she was very nice to, to my daughter. She was really, really cool. Yeah. Just seems like a nice person. How is it when you go from Scotland camp where you know them all inside out and then you jump into GB? Are you the shy girl in the corner and waiting to be spoken to or just jump in with a bit of swagger because well hey I've been picked I'm here um yeah I would say I'm really a swagger kind of person um I would say like I probably am a wee bit more quiet but that's just me kind of finding myself like within the group and understanding like I had to catch up on quite a lot because they were they'd been together so I was kind of more focusing on that than anything else but as a group they're super welcoming um and I knew a few of them like from last time around playing with them so yeah it's it's quite easy to slot in and they do make an effort to just like make everyone one so i love i love how you could just throw in yeah last time i was with gb <laughs> how how did you find out the last time you were going to be representing gb at sevens that was it um, email was it whatsapp was it phone call how did you get the message um so yeah like i think everyone probably will look back at this past year i've had and think it's been like the best year of my life but um don't get me wrong it's been amazing but there's definitely been a lot of downs and deselections along the route that a lot of people don't see um so <coughs> pre-italy i am um, for world cup qualifiers i wasn't selected and at that point had been told to like go back to uni and um, just kind of like focus on playing there um i was actually at home because i thought i had covid so i was isolating at home and I got a phone call from Scott Forrest. And like, I didn't really know Scott at this point. Um, and I, all I knew was that he was head of the programme. So I was like, he's phoning to drop me. I was like, all my support's gone, it's done. And I like picked up the phone and like, he had like small talk for five minutes. So I was like, this is really bizarre. I'm not really sure what he's like getting at here. And then he was like, um, obviously you've not been selected for Italy, but um, GB are going to Canada in 10 days. Would you like to come? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, who are going, who's going to Canada? What? <laughs> um so yeah like that was I honestly did not expect that at all I didn't even know GB was coming back together post-Olympics like it was not something on my radar at all um but I'm eternally grateful to Scott like he took a chance on me and I would not be where I am right now if he hadn't taken that chance so yeah when I said in my intro about how much it meant to you that you were a wee bit upset at the end of the commies and part of that was you said to me that you didn't want to finish like that for Scott. I'm getting a wee bit emotional here, remembering that little situation where I, you know, I saw you with your mum and dad, and then we we had a couple of moments together. How how much then do you have to thank some of these people? You're saying Scott gave you that chance and took a chance for you. Does that fuel you? Oh, hundred percent. Like that is a huge part of my why. Like I've been very lucky the whole way along my journey that there's been like a few key people that have taken a chance on me when others probably went off and have supported me like through everything. So yeah, without Scott, I would hundred percent not be playing where I am. Um he's an unbelievable coach and I have a lot of time for him. Um but there's also been key people like earlier on, like I've had netball coaches that have taken a chance. Robbie McKenzie, the Scotland Touch head coach, he took a chance on me when he didn't need to. And even at school, like Phil Godman, he would do extra sessions with me after school, like passing like three or four times a week. He, did, he didn't need to do that, but he was willing to like put in that extra effort. That wasn't part of his, his job at school, but he did that. And yeah, it's been a huge part of why I'm here. People do that because not not because they think you're going to play GB or play in the World Cup for Scotland. They do that because what they get back. 
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From it, you're obviously a good learner. I'd like to think so. <laughs> and I take it through that there's there's a lot of self-analysis. Do you give yourself a hard time? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like um perfectionist tendencies are very much around the place, but it's something that like I have had to work on. It's the reality of international sport. You can't be a perfectionist, it, it won't last, like it's not healthy for you. Um but I think you do also have to be hard on yourself. So like there is pros and cons to it. I do think I probably am like harder on myself than I do need to be sometimes, but it's probably got me to where I am because of the way I am. So so you've mentioned your why, you've mentioned key people like Robbie and Scott and, and netball coaches, Phil Godman. Um, are mum and dad just, are they mum and dad or do they sometimes say, oh, you should have done that or, you know, why didn't you do that or what was your thinking there? Are they, are they car coaches as well or are they just mum and dad? Absolutely not. Like I honestly couldn't have lucked out anymore with my mum and dad. Like they, they're, they understand rugby so it's like a complete win in that sense but they know that if they were ever to tell me that I did something wrong I would bite their heads off so <laughs> they just don't bother um, <laughs> it's not in a bad way I just think they they very much understand me as a person and they know that like I will be so hard on myself I don't need to hear it from them um so they're 100% always there to support me like my mum's the first person when I'm like oh I've got to go to the gym today she's like oh just take the day off I'm like mom it doesn't work like that I can't I can't do that um, uh, she's just testing you exactly it's all just one big test but no yeah I, I wouldn't be where I am without them they have given me everything I could have ever needed so yeah it was it was a, a, a strange thing when I looked across and saw you at the Comey game stadium and you were with mum and dad and it, and it just looked like at that moment you needed mum and dad yeah. Now, not all the players have that um, for various reasons, and especially the Commie Games, it wasn't it wasn't really that convenient accommodation, travel. It's during yeah. when people are working, but that band of support are, are pretty good to all of you, aren't they? They they uh, they've got lots of adopted <laughs> adopted kids in that group, yeah. it, but it must be an important support mechanism for the parents as well because they can't control that win or loss or missed tackle or try that you scored. So they must be a great support to each other. Yeah, no, like they all get along super well, which is like super nice as well, because obviously like when I'm playing, I don't really get to spend that much time with them, but knowing that they've got other people that they can chat away to and they've got friends within the squad, like that's huge for me as well, just from a peace of mind point of view. But um, I do think there's like, been parents that have been there for a very long time and they they very much take the new parents under their wing so it's it's super nice is there an initiation ceremony <laughs> there probably is with that lot yeah I, I don't ask what goes on so i just leave them do it <laughs> yeah they they are very much what goes on tour stays on tour i, I know anybody needs to to be telling those stories um you make your debut talk me through that one i mean it it must have been a a funny situation I suppose in in some respects because we were still in we were still in COVID but you, I mean you got to play for Scotland that has to be up there with a real big highlight yeah like unbelievable I didn't expect it to come when it came I think that's probably like what was so nice about it um 
So like selection came out and I, I didn't know for a few days. So I actually got chased up because I hadn't checked the emails because I presumed I was, wasn't going to be part of it. Bloody um, students. No, I know. I just need to get my life together really. But um, like, I think because I hadn't like anticipated it for months and was like building up to these baths of thing, like I kind of just took the pressure off. So when it did come, it was just enjoy the moment. And yeah, like getting to play at home and winning, it, it doesn't really get better as a first cap, to be honest. Yeah, and that's there's a lot of a lot of players haven't had that, and certainly haven't had very often. When you look at some of the teams like New Zealand and England, and you see that World Cup final, what what's the mood in the Scottish camp? Is it that's what we're striving for? That's what the future holds. Uh, you know, how how does that work? I, I'm I'm intrigued by that because you were so close in two of the three games. There must, be, but but not the result. The performance was close, but the result wasn't there. Do you feel like you're on the cusp of something? A hundred percent. It's that very much like that's how close we are. Um, but I think it's also looking at that and being like, we want that to be us in three years' time um, and understanding what it takes to be there. Like, obviously, New Zealand came over, what, like eight months ago? And their results did not go their way. But then in eight months, you can turn it around and win a World Cup. Um, it's it's not magic. It's that they do the basics very well and they're very diligent as athletes. So I think it's understanding like what what do they do that we don't do currently and how can we get ourselves to be at that point. Um, like as you say, we were in the games, but it's how can we be in the games and get the results? Like that, I think that's the thing just now, um, which is super frustrating because like as players, we know that we've got it in us. It's just that we just need to get into the situation where the the result does go our way sometimes. How much did you talk about as a squad? I mean, the the reception you had in New Zealand, uh, you know, saw social media, spoken to quite a few of the squad since they've either got home or, or on WhatsApp while they're away touring the world, having the time of their lives, it looks like. Yeah. How much is the desire to get bums on seats for Six Nations to up the standard here to increase the player base is that things you talk about or are you just trying to play really well um i would say it's something we're very much aware of i wouldn't say we like actively talk about it because it's not really something that we can directly influence at the time but post world cup like having spoken to a few of the other players it's like how can we make that happen in scotland you see what england have done for the women's game like they've already sold twenty thousand tickets for their england france game which is mad but it's like, how can we replicate that up here? And how can we get that buzz about women's rugby? I think it is going in the right direction. But as you say, like if we start getting the results and we start winning, that's only going to improve the profile for the sport. So <laughs> I think I think that's what we can do from our point of view, um, is try to inspire that next generation by showing them that you can be a Scotland women's player and you can get the wins. For the last six years, Fill Your Boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level. Please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future. Join in clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill Your Boots bringing rugby together. What was the atmosphere like when you were playing in New Zealand? Mental. Like, see <laughs> playing against New Zealand in New Zealand. I, I remember the bus coming in and, like, none of us. So we played up in Fangarai the week before. Um, and, like, there was, like, quite a big crowd, but it wasn't anything crazy. The bus, like, came around the corner and there just, like, gasps on the bus and everyone was like, oh, no. It was, like, so many people and we were like, we did not expect this at all. But, like, <coughs> I like I love that. So, like, I was like, let's go. Like, it's so fun. But, um, yeah, mental. The New Zealand crowds are crazy. So, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Did you get a chance, you know, at a multi-sport event like the Comey Games, but I know accommodation in Birmingham wasn't, it wasn't the village um, that maybe people are thinking of in the Olympics. You were out at a uni halls with other teams, yeah. but you go to the World Cup. Did you get a chance to socialise with the other players? Did you, you know, the, the stuff you see on social media is the, in the changing rooms after the game. Is there time for that at a World Cup? 
Um, so we did share a hotel with Japan and France for um, a few weeks. So we got to mingle with them um, and obviously Daggy's over with Japan. Um, but in terms of like post-match stuff, there wasn't really much just because it was game after game. So you kind of had to be out without within a certain amount of time. Um, but no, like we did get to chat to other teams and like mingle a wee bit. So it was like a perfect balance, I think. Was there people that you looked at and thought, you know, they're at the top of their game, they're getting better? Because that's one of the other things. Everyone's getting better. New Zealand and England are, are continuing to get better. Wales and Italy and Japan are improving as well as Scotland improving. Are you are you conscious of that when you're in a social environment? Um, I would say Is there a bit of measuring say... yourself up against <laughs> others? Um, I wouldn't say for me there's much of that. Um, but... <laughs> um I think it's just like they are so normal like I think that's what like I couldn't get over is especially with like the Kiwis like they're at the top of their games and they're some of the best players in the world but they are also the most down-to-earth people you would ever meet and they've got time for everyone and I think that's what's like super important and also super authentic about women's rugby I think like no matter who you are or like where you come from like everyone's still so passionate about inspiring that next generation um so yeah I think that's what I like I couldn't get over was just like how normal and how down to earth like all these players that don't don't actually need to be that down to earth like they they would quite off their own um status they can quite happily um realize how how good they are but they they're not like that at all like they have time for everyone when you were growing up who was your favorite player who was my favorite player um (laughs) that's a hard question to be fair I think I was very much like a Dan Carter like like everyone else um yeah me too really, yeah absolute like, man crush right but here's here's like, here's where i'm going with this the, at no point in your head there was there a female player was there no and that is something that we do talk about quite a lot as a squad it's that wasn't an option for me growing up like i looked up to male players and I, I didn't even really know there was a women's team like i obviously knew it was about but i, I couldn't have named a single person in in the women's team which now I'd like to think that like a lot of girls growing up could um, and they can see that that is an option to play rugby for Scotland as a woman. So, yeah, it's changing very much, which is a good thing. And you've got your own kit. Yes, that does make a big difference. That does make a big difference because getting my youngest first jersey was a World Cup, men's World Cup kit. Yeah, and it, but she wanted Lloyd on the back. Yeah, but that felt a bit strange because it was the men's World Cup kit, and she, well, it didn't feel strange. It was great, but I didn't, I couldn't get her a women's top. Yeah, to have Lloyd on the back. Now, I mean, you could keep a balloon off me in a phone box. Like your agility and your speed is ridiculous. There's going to be another quick. A agile kid who wants to do things you're doing who could buy a shirt and have Campbell on the back how cool is that yeah it's mental it, like blows my brain um I think like the thing for me is that obviously my pathway wasn't rugby 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 but like I want that for the next generation of kids like I want kids that necessarily didn't play rugby from the start to see that it is still an option and that being an athlete as a kid growing up and like having multi-sport background like you can still get to to where I am um, and I would say I probably wasn't here if I only played rugby so yeah I think it's, it's super cool that kids can do that um, I still can't really wrap my head around it if I'm honest with you but yeah super right cool. so here's the next bit to the story then is one of the reasons that all those players you've mentioned being so grounded because rugby hasn't been the only string on their bow yeah I think so you're really, you're studying psychology. You're a student. Yeah. You're, you know, you're sharing with, you're, you're doing the proper student thing, although probably not because you're a professional athlete yeah. and you have to do all that <laughs> stuff. But there, there's an element to the women's game at the moment where it's almost where the men's game was in the early two thousands, where there was st- there was these professional athletes, but they had been other things. Now I could be, com- I am completely generalising here, but now we've got a generation of rugby player who have only ever been a rugby player they've been in an academy they've been 
it, can you see that maybe changing if uh, if young Shona from 14 knew she was going to be a rugby player? You would be a different beast, wouldn't you? Oh, 100%. Like, I do think it is probably a strength that the women's game does have is that everyone has other things going on. Um, like, I'm super passionate about psychology and, like, I do want to have a career in that after rugby. Like, I'm not just... Like, I don't just want to be a rugby player. Um, but, like, you see that across the whole women's game, that everyone has other things going on. Um, and that obviously grounds you. Like, you still got to go to your nine-to-five. You're not, you're not living the high life. So, um, I think... Oh, I don't it's know. Emma Wassell looks like she's living the high life at the moment. Yes, well, I do think some of them are making the most of it. I'll say that, but um, yeah. No, it's I very cool. Think, Just um... Sorry, go for it. No, no, go for it. You're fine. Uh, this morning, um, a little tear in my eye on Bristol Bears women's uh, social media. I don't know oh, if you've seen that. this. Uh, Lucy yeah. Burgess and she gets a bit teary because a kid's got her name on the back of the shirt. I mean, yeah. there's there's people that would just take, or male players would take that for granted. Um, but it's an absolutely amazing little little video, getting a little bit teary as I'm talking about this. That's, that's not your job, but you've already spoken about it. You've said that you're aware of the next generation. You know, you're standing on the shoulders of people like, Donna Kennedy and, and Megan Kennedy and Rona Lloyd and, you know, Kim Littlejohn, all these people that yeah. didn't have the things you've got, but the generation after you is probably going to have more than, than you've got. Are you quite happy to be in that position? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm super honoured for the time that I've come into the Scotland shirt. Um, it didn't used to be as, as good as we've got it now, 100%. Like, we have it very good. But I think we also want to make it good for the next generation. Like, we want to put it in a better place for these girls coming through so that they don't, they'll never know of the things that the likes of Men Kennedy and, like, players before had to go through um, to keep the programme alive and to even get where it is just now, like, qualifying for a World Cup. Um, but it is something we're super aware of. And, like, personally, like, I'm super keen to inspire that next generation and even if it isn't to wear a Scotland shirt even if it's just to take part in rugby or take part in sport um showing girls that 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 is an option for them as a career is something that I'm super passionate about yeah it, it's a very cool thing so the World Cup because it was postponed there's it's a bit shorter time between drinks so you've you've only got three years till the next one and you've already mentioned it and having spoken to some of the others like Lana has said she wants to keep going because she wants another crack at that yeah, it's really whetted the appetite, the the exposure on media, on TV, um, you know, people now talking about it, being aware of it. It can only be a good thing. How do we keep that momentum going? Yeah, I think it's how do, how do we keep it going in Scotland, and how does World Rugby keep it going? Are probably two different questions. Um, I think it, we do need to start upping the amount of people that come to our games. Like that, that's how 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 it happens. Um, our social media presence from Scottish rugby has been unbelievable. Like the amount of media they put out from us and that just raises the profile. Like, as you say, if a little kid knows our names, they're then going to ask their parents to come along and watch one of our games. Um, and then from that, it just, it just snowballs, but it's got to come from raising the profile of the game in the first place. Like people knowing that you can come watch Scotland women play and people knowing that it is a good day out and that we do compete at the highest level. Like, that's the only way you're going to get bums on seats. Um, but as you, as you say, like, I know a lot of people that don't really show much of an interest in women's rugby, but have watched the World Cup and are now like, I'm going to come watch Scotland play because I've seen the World Cup and like they watched the final and they're like, wow, the standard of rugby. And I'm like, I've been telling you, trust me. <laughs> but I wasn't at the yeah. France game in the Six Nations, but I was at the England game at the Dam Health. And now it looks like the Dam Health moving forward will kind of be the, the home I think yeah uh, do the players enjoy being there is that uh is that a nice place to be based yeah we, we love playing there it very much feels like you're part of like a, a one Scotland like being in the the Murrayfield changing rooms and being at BCM like yeah we love playing there it was such an amazing day it was blue sky sunshine 
crowd were enjoying it. The you know the ice cream van was doing a great trade, and you've got people like Rachel Burford and and Maggie standing waiting for it. It was it was so cool, so accessible. The game, although the result looked like it was t- the the game, never really felt like there was that big a gulf. What? Yeah. How do you deal with that? After knowing that next week we got to go again, how do you deal with that? That the performance is improving, but the result is still quite far away. Um, I think you just have to focus on your processes. Like, if your processes are right, your outcomes will come. But if we're not getting our processes right as a team, then we can't expect to be competing at that top level. So. I think it's just when we review games, we've got to say, did we create opportunities? Yes. Now we just need to finish them off. Because if we're not creating opportunities, then then how do we go forward? So I think it is understanding the blocks, um, but then also getting to a point where we can be like, we created the opportunities and we didn't convert them. Like, that's not good enough. So um, you've got to start with the processes, but then once you do get to a certain point, you've then got to be able to finish them off. And the players obviously want to play in the best competition. So the number of Scottish players who are playing in in England is increasing and and it looks like it's going to increase again off the back of the World Cup as as teams are saying, right, actually there's there's some pretty good talent here. How does that go, and, and you've done this, how does it go when you play against your mates? You know, you're talking about you've been in GB so there are players that you've played against. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy playing against people that you know? Um, I would say there's pros and cons to it. Like I, I personally quite enjoy it. Um, you you know what people are gonna do. Um, and then I think it just forces you to raise your game to an extent because if you know what someone's gonna do, you then know what you need to do to like get around it. Um, I would and say they know 15s, what you're gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say in fifteens, it's it's a wee bit different. Um, especially when like obviously I don't play in the prem but I can imagine playing against some of our forwards isn't really like a, a nice day I do it in training and I wouldn't really like I wouldn't really want to do the game so um yeah I guess there's pros and cons to it um it's quite nice having some of them on your team rather than against you and out the, out the back of the world cup this always happens I was speaking to Lana recording the pod and I was fishing to see she made a comment about how people would finish up and I was yeah. trying to get out of her who it was and she said, no, I genuinely don't know. And then I think the next day, Hannah Smith yeah. has, has done it. Now, God love Hannah. I mean, talking about that nine to five, the time and energy and effort that she's given to a rugby career has probably been to the detriment of other parts of her life because it it's all consuming Jim playing. She was playing sevens and fifteens. Uh, with a you know a demanding career she'll be missed because she's a really popular member of the squad was that a surprise to people were, were people on the inside in the know about that um no like I think it was a complete shock to a lot of people in the team um but it also made sense to an extent that she wanted to end her career in her terms like as you say she's got a full career outside of rugby and she wanted to give that it's it's time. She's given so much to the Scotland shirt. I don't think anyone's played in so many positions in a Scotland shirt, um, as many as she has. But yeah, it was the right time for her. She's going to be hugely missed and is a huge loss to the squad on and off the pitch. But she has given so much for years to this squad. Um, so like, we can't ask anymore. No, it, I was I was sad when it happened, but like you say, I, I kind of understood it. But it just then gives a chance to someone else, doesn't it? Is there players that you're excited about? Are there players that are coming through? You know, it makes me sound like you're one of the old heads. You're still <laughs> one of the young pups. But are there players that you're looking at going, like, give me, give me a couple of names. Who should we look out for? Um, I would say... You have to be careful they're... here too, because these are your mates. No, I know. This is... <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm gonna have to say Eva Donaldson or give you so much yeah, trouble. Eva Donaldson, number one. Um, no, I would say that there is like quite a few um, in the young team that very much in the next few years, like you need to be watching out for. I'd say Meryl Smith's probably the first one that comes to mind. Like she's had a few opportunities at the World Cup, but like the talent that that girl has is unbelievable. Like, Absolute baller. Yeah, Absolute I'm baller. just like so much confidence. I love it. Um, so I'd say she's probably number one in my head. Um, and then, to be fair, like watching the under 18s uh, Six Nations this year, like some of those girls coming through are unbelievable. Like just like natural skill. Um, 
So yeah, I think the next generation is in a very good place. There's going to be a lot of competition and hopefully we can start to see a few of them coming through for the next Six Nations. Um, obviously with like a few people retiring and other people being off doing different things, there's bases in the squad to take. So I, uh, yeah, I hope that we start to see them get get brought in. Like you see Emma Orr got brought in last year and look at her now, like she's flying. So um, hopefully some more people start to get those opportunities. Yeah, she's a, she's a class act. Maybe she's the heir to the fringe. Yeah. Maybe she maybe she can grow out the bangs and, uh, yeah. and take over from Smithy. Uh, so now GB, you're you're packing your bags, getting ready to to head south to join up with GB, which was an amazing thing. Was that something on your horizon? Was that a a welcome bonus? Were you know were you aware of that situation? How did that play out? Um, yeah, so we weren't aware of anything um, pre World Cup. We only got contacted post World Cup. Um, Obviously, it was something that like I hoped would be an opportunity, but you never want to get ahead of yourself, and especially with it being GB, like there's so many players to pick from, so I wasn't gonna assume anything. Um, but when Nick did reach out, like obviously it was pretty nice to get a phone call. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to go back down. I've been down for two weeks already, um, in with the group, and like it's super exciting. It's a new group, new management, like the whole setup's brand new, and I think everyone's just really excited about that. So yeah. It's a new opportunity. Yeah, I love it. And there's going to be many more to come. Shona, I've loved speaking to you. Um, there, there's so much, and and hopefully there will be a, a part two at some point when you've gone and done something else unbelievable. Your career just seems to be climbing. I know you said there's been bumps on the road, but uh, those highs, I think, are making up for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm intrigued. So for you, Shona, happiness is... Um, I would have to say it is spending time with my family back at home. So, yeah. Now, the first time we met, we were on a screen. And uh, I spoke a lot, and I think you listened. But it was all part of you helping a couple of buddies to do a charity thing. Now, as soon as I see people getting involved to help others, I'm thinking this this is a good person. Is that something you enjoy doing? Was that just an experience? Was that because you knew that, Charlie and Toby are hopeless and need some help like how how does that work um <laughs> I would say like me getting involved in the Tartaneers was very much like a helping out a friend kind of situation like I was super passionate about the charities that they did it for um and with rugby like I obviously couldn't take part or do something myself but I just wanted to be able to help however I could um towards the end of it like it turned out like I wasn't able to go to the challenge which was like quite hard just because I was away with rugby but being able to do my part like I'm super passionate about like helping out however I can and doing something for like that kind of cause like it only makes you a better person so yeah no I enjoyed every second of that of course it does and another string to the bow uh the future's very bright I can't wait to see what you get up to where you go Shona thank you so much for joining us all the best to GB and hopefully I'll see you sometime very soon yeah thank you absolutely class it packed a lot into a very short space of time and i'm intrigued to see where it goes uh nothing will surprise me uh although i do think she needs to up her tiktok game but maybe that's that's something that the the older members of the squad will pass on i hope you've enjoyed it if you have you can catch us on apple acast and spotify uh you can watch on facebook and youtube leave us a review tell your friends we are almost at number 100 so look out here we come Uh, who knows what the next hundred will bring it's been quite a journey and it's been amazing to speak to so many people i think shona is probably the youngest person we've had born in the 2000s which is is quite a worry i think she was born as i was leaving university so beginning to feel like a very very old man sound like it too hopefully we'll see you all again soon my name is bruce Aitchison from the happiness is podcast and my happiness is egg-shaped hello i'm mayhem hello i'm chaos and our happiness is egg-shaped Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Oh, what's that about this blessing? And he said, happiness is egg-shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.